Pile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's it going? It's going pretty good. Um, It's summer in the South, and I have to know, when you were a kid, how many baths a week did you have during the summer? During the summer, now this depends on which summer it was, because if it was uh, the summer of when I was in like junior high, it was like constantly because I went through a period where all I wanted to do was shower all the time. If well, was, yeah, because you were in junior high. I'm talking like prepubescent boy body. Oh, How many never. times did you wash your... <laughs> never, fucking never. And, and I'll tell you what it was. Uh, I went through, so I've had insomnia my whole life. Um, and when I was uh, a prepubescent ghoul, uh, I would do a thing where every morning I would fall asleep in the shower and not actually use soap. Like, I would just lie down with the water on, fall asleep with the water uh, on my face, and then would wake up as soon as the water went cold and made me wake up uh, yelling. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't I didn't use soap or shampoo for, like, months. And according to the other children, I was the kid that smelled like chicken soup. Oh, man. During that period. <laughs> So that Thank was, you for opening up. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, it's been it's been a, uh, a while. I'm really glad to get that off my chest. What about you? How how frequently, especially with the sweat soup that you accumulate in the, in the south uh, in in summertime, how frequently did you bathe as a kid? So you know, pretty regularly. The reason why I bring this up is because in one of the Facebook parenting groups I'm part of, yes, I am that dad. Hell yeah. Uh, someone said, "Oh, you don't need to bathe your kids in the summer as long as you're going to the pool every day." Oh no, no, <laughs> no! Chlorine is not a substitute for soap. Right, it, because I was raised to believe that you have to bathe after you get in the pool because of the chlorine oh jesus that's like and a... these these folks in this goddamn group are saying just hose them off in the backyard and then you'll be fine <laughs> yeah call that a we call that a florida hose down we that's <laughs> yeah oh de oh de pool like that's not no no chlorine. just imagine a kid besmirched with grass from the slip and slide and just <laughs> marching them down to the the pool at the end of your oh. your uh, apartment complex and just rinsing them off. Man, and this is like when... They're uh, good till next week. It's fine. No, here's the thing though. When I was uh, a very small child, uh, I, I mean, I've lived in apartments like my whole life. Uh, and when I was prepubescent, the apartment that I lived in in the suburbs of Chicago the pool at that apartment complex uh, was over chlorinated all the time and it just sort of your eyes sting after you swim in it and it's sort of um, I, I kind of don't know how I wasn't blinded from swimming in that pool as a kid but yeah no wash your wash your kids wash yourselves chlorine will not save you so what ghoul shit have you been up to Ryan oh boy so the ghoul shit that I have been up to this week uh, I uh, fell down a wiki hole. Now, all right. So, uh, without going into detail, I had so I had a, a cartilage piercing uh, on my left ear um, that I got like last year, right? And I, you know, was really hopeful that like, yeah, you know, I could I could just get a whole bunch of cartilage piercings going all the way down and just have like a bunch of piercings. The problem is that for whatever reason, this piercing would not heal, and so I finally took it out uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, which is great because now I can sleep with my head on a pillow without needing to cut my head with my hand to keep from rubbing it on the pillow and hurting it. But the problem was that uh, it got... 
not infected, but it was sort of like my body went, oh, great, you got that fucking thing out. Okay, now you're going to have uh, a cyst on either side of your ear. Um, <gasps> yeah, it, it was very bad. Uh, uh, Sarah is a fucking saint for uh, uh, basically performing an exorcism. But so the experience kind of, uh, I felt on a wiki hole about, um, because without because i don't want to i don't want to gross our listeners out who maybe don't want to hear about because also but side note here on rupaul's drag race on the most recent season there was a queen who uh when she was about to be eliminated was like i'm sorry i've got a cyst it's weeping right now and they're like what and they're like yeah i just had to tell you about it and then so that's all they would talk about when they would talk about her was the was the cyst i don't want to gross my listeners out about the process of what happened with my gross ear but suffice it to say uh the experience was reminiscent of a removing a parasite from the body and so I fell down a wiki hole about bot flies. Oh, man. Do you ever watch the yeah. bot fly videos on YouTube? Oh, for sure. This is... Dear I, listener, do not look those up. Oh, see, this is... I love watching videos of horrible... Like, of, of weird stuff happening to bodies because, like, it it's disgusting, but it makes me feel something. Yeah. Speaking of disgusting but making you feel something... Uh, how about that Cats trailer? <laughs> oh my god, that cat. Alright, so, have you seen or heard Cats before? Yes, I <laughs> I am aware of Cats. Yeah, you're, you're familiar with the works of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, everybody's, uh, listen, everybody is a furry about, like, two or three things, right? Like, I think we all watched Disney's Robin Hood growing up and kind of wanted to fuck the cartoon fox. Because he's, he's charming and, and rakish. Yeah, um, I feel like this movie, my my Twitter feed is going to be a nightmare when this movie comes out. I'm going to be in furry hell. <laughs> like I've I've just I've made my peace with it. My favorite thing is, um, I believe it was uh, gaily dreadful, and mm-hmm. maybe I'm forgetting their um, tag, uh, but they reposted the CGI Sonic the Hedgehog, and they said, <laughs> "Do you miss me now?" <laughs> See, this is, Andrew Lloyd Webber is so horrible, but I kind of, like, I clown Andrew Lloyd Webber, but I uh, I grew up with a single mom who loved Phantom of the Opera, and I just kind of have no choice. I really like Phantom of the Opera, even though it's, like, garbage. And Andrew Lloyd Webber is garbage, and he looks like Wormtail from Harry Potter, and he has a heart made of craft singles, but... I'm gonna go see Cats. Let's be real. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. It's a cultural moment, and I need to go see it. So let's talk about Discord. Oh yeah. So uh, we have a uh, an official. Well, I guess official. Uh, I, I, you know, here's the question. Anything that we do is it official as long as we have done it? Now it is the official rank and vile Discord. Yeah, because conceivably someone else could have started a Discord about our podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know who would have done that, Yeah, but this is the one that I run. You and I some lost Some lost soul. You know what it is? So we have a Discord, uh, and it is great. We've got the link up on our Twitter. We're going to have it up on our website, which, by the way, uh, by the time we post this episode, uh, I hope to have the website rankandvile.com up and functioning with stuff wait did you land the url oh you bet your ass i did i i rank and vile that rule (laughs) yeah thank you thank you so rankandvile.com the official uh website uh, is going to be up by the time this episode posts rankandvile.com and what what we want to do with the website is have like 
long form pieces and uh, interviews with with horror creators, which I've already got a couple in the can, so that's exciting. Uh, but yeah, I figure we can uh, turn this uh, little uh, dream factory into a, a dream empire. A, yeah. A, a nightmare empire? Anyway. So yeah, Discord. Can you explain Discord? Because I've been trying to explain it to everyone that I send the invite to, <laughs> and they're like, what is this? And it's um, like, it's IRC. Yeah, and it's, it's you know what it is? It's like uh, AOL write-in chat from back in the day. Only yeah. it's for gamers playing Overwatch and coordinating shit. Uh, and but it's also great. us to talk about Starcade 86 and what cool things uh, you can buy on Instagram that I don't have money for. Yeah, so it's it's basically, it's like an extension of our, our garbage Twitter where we're constantly shitposting about stuff. But now, you know, everybody can be part of our communal shitpost. So it's deeply exciting. So yeah, so... Um, Check out either rankandvile.com ideally for that, or on our Twitter, we've got a link to it. Um, Quincy, what ghoul shit have you been up to this week aside from uh, starting a Rank and Vile Discord? So <laughs> that's pretty ghoulish, but I've right. also been amassing zines like a dragon's horde. <laughs> I got a crazy <laughs> amount of, of zines in the mail this week. Oh. I got several issues of Drive In Asylum, I got the mm -hmm. brand new July issue. Which you haven't read that? That's a that's a zine that is just ads from drive-in theaters and also um, essays on horror movies. Oh shit! Um, yeah, it's very good. Uh, I got the back issue with um, Joe Bob Briggs that came in the mail. Man, uh, I love Joe. Our Bob friend Clon Waldrip dropped us some uh, zines. He he mailed me Power Profiles numbers two and three, Fuck yeah. which are these uh, essay biographical essays about like all kinds of strange people, like Sherry Lewis and Sam Fuller, and also like Stiv Bators. <laughs> oh, Stiv Bators from the Dead Boys. The Dead Boys. That's the one. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he draws these portraits of them and then writes a, um, a biography about them. They're Fuck very yeah. good. Well, the honestly, Nasty like, Boys are in issue number two. Wait, the wrestling tag team? Yeah. Uh, They're very which, good. No, what's, what are their names? Knobs and Skag? Uh, <laughs> their names are... Um, Buff and Biff. Buff and Biff, and they look like, uh, you remember in, like, The Dark Knight Returns, like, Frank Miller's imagination of what teenage goons look like? Yeah, it's exactly that. They're wearing weird sunglasses, <laughs> and they have exceptionally wide mohawks. And, and gross, weird teeth. It's great. Apparently, uh, uh, Nasty Boy Knobs is considered, um, I guess it's not just a clever name, apparently he's considered one of the least pleasant people in wrestling, which is, oh. like... A pretty incredible distinction to grab, I think, being like just one of the most difficult people to deal with in professional wrestling. Really quick, um, before we get into the first movie that we're doing on our Patreon, uh, for uh, Patreon subscribers uh, who want bonus content, we are going to be talking about uh, a bunch of wrestling. Um, the one, one of the ones that I'm really excited to talk about is the match between uh, Big Bubba Rogers, uh, later the Big Boss Man. Uh, versus Ron Garvin. Apparently, it, listen, if you want to watch Jim Cornette fall and hurt himself very badly, this is the match for you. He falls off of a scaffold. Big Bub Rogers was supposed to catch him. That didn't end up happening. And We're also going to watch a match where the Dynamite Kid gets a uh, two-person atomic drop, and it looks like his asshole 
just like rips in half. Also a famously horrible person, Dynamite Kid. <laughs> Man, it's, you know, like, we're, we're never doing, like, you know, uh, you know, this this wrestler who was a sweetheart. Although, here's the thing. Sid, uh, Sid Justice, you've seen that gnarly video of Sid Justice's leg going the wrong way, right? Um, fortunately, I've avoided that Good. wrestling botch. Right. I've but, watched, I've watched uh, Yoshi's neck break, uh, thanks to AJ oh. Styles, far too much to, to to be a well-adjusted adult, but I've not watched Sid Justice's leg break. Yeah, it's, I feel like, yeah, there are certain botches that instantly, like, my toes clench when I just think of the botch. It's, yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, uh, so, yeah, if you want to hear us talk more about wrestling and less about horror movies or about movies that are not necessarily for the list, but, like, adjacent... Um, we're going to be working on putting bonus content up on Patreon soon. Uh, we also shout out new Patreons on the show, like Kevin McLean. Thanks. Oh my God. Yeah, we've got Kevin McLean. Uh, we have uh, Ian Zil- Zilstra. Um, yeah, Alan Cantinos. Thank you guys so much for uh, signing up to get that sweet, sweet content. Yeah. Um, we also another uh, another thing that I would love to do for the Patreon is Halloween Havoc '98. Are you familiar with the main event from Halloween Havoc '98? Uh, no. Is that the Warrior versus um, Hogan? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. And and Hogan tries using flash paper and fucks it up and burns his own mustache off. And it's yeah. Yeah. Um, you know that's so, yeah, breakable would... on the list proper. It is harrowing enough to be basically a horror movie. Although I also feel like a lot of Hulk Hogan's later later career matches, it's that uh, his joints were like pieces of wood nailed together in the form of a man. And I think to compensate for how badly he was wrestling, he was just like, I'm just going to blade, brother, and would just gash his stupid mug open every match. So it ends up looking like a snuff film a lot of the time in later Hogan matches. I have a very important question. Is ECW mm-hmm. Halloween Hell rankable? Oh, I mean, it's got Halloween. Listen, if we can rank Spooky Buddies, and we have, <laughs> surely we can do ECW matters. Halloween Hell. After the Halloween the Hound, Halloween Hell is just a step behind. But, like, then we, this is a slippery slope, because if we say it's mm-hmm. just got Halloween Hell in the title, then are we making ourselves rank In Your House 15 a cold day in hell, because it has hell oh. in the title? Like, we, where does it... Do we have to do the holiday hells? Like, what should we and should Qu- we not put on this damn list? Quincy, we passed Slippery Slope a few miles back. We're at the bottom of a ravine with both legs broken. We are dying slow. Like on this list, we have ranked the list. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We we have ranked the Halloween match from two o five live from like a couple of years ago. We've ranked death matches. We've ranked Beans Baxter. We've ranked Spooky Buddies. We've ranked Curious George Halloween Boofest. Hey, don't talk bad about Halloween. Oh, oh, I would never. That that soundtrack slaps. Uh, It's rated way higher than many horror movies um yeah no the slippery we, we, we we've already taken the slippery slope and we are in hell now <laughs> so it's it's fitting that anything with hell in the title is fair game so speaking of hell let's talk about 2019's the theater of terror yeah uh we were provided a screener by the director tom ryan thank, thank you tom. tom um quincy give us give us a uh synopsis of theater of terror so theater of terror is your classic horror anthology film and the framing narrative is a um 
who I would ostensibly say is coded as hipster because she's a woman wearing a beanie over her hair um, and mm-hmm. a crop top, shows up to an old dilapidated theater to renovate it, as the flyer she's holding in her hand says. And mm-hmm. then the doors mysteriously open, like in all of these um, horror anthologies, and she starts wandering around this abandoned theater until the projectionist finds her, and then the projectionist, like, you know, the docent in the uh, night gallery is just introducing weird, creepy stories. Right. So the the projectionist sort of functions as, like, the crypt keeper, basically, but without the puns yeah thankfully but he also looks like everyone in the theater department of my college when i went to college (laughs) he dresses like everybody else in my grade yeah 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 he sort of he sort of dresses like uh like sort of (sighs) captain caveman in flannel like he's just kind of a guy um yeah a standard length of dude yeah 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 one standard unit of dude and so it's, uh, what, which also, side note here, so it's an anthology horror movie uh, with four different segments. I feel, what is it about horror that lends itself to anthology movies? Do you think it's the sort of one and done kind of a spook and then jumping? Because you never really get rom-com anthologies. You never really get, like, Western anthologies. Like, no, I think not anthology the movies. Effect. I think it does have to do with the concept that these are a lot of horror anthologies are here's a good idea but it's not Mm -hmm. good enough for feature length and you know i gotta sell my short film somehow you know like there there are certain movies that should have been part of an anthology instead of being a feature length film um when a stranger calls definitely should have just been uh part of an anthology instead of a because that and, like, The Hitcher with Rutger Hauer and a bunch of other movies that sort of, like, the first 15 minutes are a fucking banger and then they completely get tangled up in their own leash, have no fucking idea what to do with itself for the remainder of its runtime and then just sort of wander around sniffing at things before dying. And it's, you know, it would have been better off if they had just made it part of an anthology. Yeah, so the first segment is about a weird doll you know weird dolls Mm -hmm. right oh oh, i'm familiar so this woman is a hooker and she kills her john and then she's fleeing the scene and stumbles into a um what just a creepy doll shop i mean does it have some other purpose besides selling creepy dolls Absolutely not. Like, this is just, you've, welcome to, um, Doc, like, Dr. Weirdo's Creepy uh, Wooden Doll yeah, Emporium. Doc McStuffin Sr.'s <laughs> Garbage Doll Glass, Factory. Glass-Eyed Joe's Gently Used Ventriloquism Factory. Yeah, yeah. So, she, so the, the, um, Doc McStuffins welcomes her inside and says, have a seat, uh, Disney, please don't sue us. <laughs> Fair use. This is for, for... Fair use. It's, it's, it's parody. It's covered by the First Amendment. <laughs> yeah. So, so he sits her down and says, have a cup of tea and tell me your life story. And she's like, I wasn't always a leather faced hooker i used to be an attractive <laughs> successful businesswoman sure i th- listen this is deeply relatable i think all of us sort of 
you know, you have that 9 a.m., you look in the mirror, you feel like a football that was cursed by a wizard with life, and you wonder how you got there. And then she's she's going to give you the business and explain how she came to this. So we get this flashback, which is the only movie to explain the business world like this movie that I can think of is Birdemic, where they just clap in that boardroom meeting for 20 minutes. It's like this really weird, they're standing outside of a building because you can tell they aren't supposed to be there. And like yeah, guys they, in yeah. suits walk over and put their hands on this woman and say like, we're counting on you to make the deadline and then walk away. See, I love I love this, and I love this this understanding of business because it's like my childhood understanding of adulthood, and it's just filmed straight without anything weird. Like like I when I was a kid, I imagined that this was how business worked. It was like, bah, you got to mortgage the necktie taxes, and guys in suits will come and clap you on the shoulder and be like, mm, I'm your dad now, and then you got to make the big deadline. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, her marriage and her motherhood is falling apart because she's got to stay late and can't take care of her kid. And she's in the bathroom at work and her um, more attractive co-worker with the... And I'm using more attractive as like the code that the director is using with the like right. her top is cut lower and like she's got longer hair and more makeup is careless like, whisper should play when she's on screen yeah she's like oh if you're stressed you should take one of these and hands her a pill of indescript of nondescript origin and then the next thing we know she's hooked on heroin which is how that works you have an attractive coworker who might be Satan, who gives you... I think that was actually, like, uh, a discarded draft for The Matrix, was that Neo takes the uh, the red pill, but then he just gets fucking strung out on heroin, and that's how the movie ends? Yeah. So, like, maybe it's because I live in the, you know, heartland, and the opioid epidemic is really bad out here. Very bad. But I don't know if this is the best way to handle what is ostensibly about opioids. Like... yeah. And I lost it all. Well, so they just jumped from zero to 80 with, I took, and here's where I took a pill. And now I'm uh, addicted to heroin. Um, And it just, yeah, jumps immediately to, and that's how I fucked my life up. Yeah. And then the shop owner's like, oh, tell me about it. What would you do to have your life back? And she says, like, anything. And he says, anything? And she says, anything. And then he looks at the camera and goes, anything? And winks. (laughs) Uh, which, by the way, side note here, uh, I really, really hate that sex work is uh, being used as a shorthand for rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. In this movie that like, oh, she's gone to the bad, you know, it's like it's trying to be fucking lame as a Rob. And it's like, look, plenty of people do fucking sex work and they're not like it's not ruining their lives. It's not, you know, it's not like God's punishment for falling from grace and taking a diet pill or trucker speed or whatever the fuck right. it was. Right, and, and it's, it's her. coded as like, oh, she lost her kids. So if you lose your... So, like, it's not even that her husband kicks her out of the house because the baby found, you know, her skag. It's, <laughs> oh, I, I got kicked out of my home, and that's not my rock bottom. It's that I then turned to sex work, and then that wasn't my rock bottom. It's when I murdered my John on accident <laughs> that I realized, you know, I now was... I've got to slow down. <laughs> 
I was going to be executive mom, but then I took a stacker two pill. (laughs) I'm this is this is my life now, and it's again. I love it so much because it's like like my childhood understanding of like, listen, you take a weird pill from a stranger, next thing you know, you're holding hands with people in back alleys for money. It's very much the kind of cautionary tale that I expect to hear in my middle school gymnasium again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, did your um how many of those um assemblies did you have to go to? And how many of them did oh. the speaker specifically rag on your peach uh fuzz mustache? Because like I've got dragged in so many of those. I really am upset. <laughs> That's really traumatic. I never we definitely had lots of assemblies, but we never, I no one ever clowned my peach fuzz mustache, but I think it's because I had chest hair when I was eleven. Like I was a hairy kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm um, a hairy kid. I was a hairy kid too. But like right. the guy was, you know, you know how boys have those dirty mustaches, and like oh, yeah, everyone yeah. on my aisle turned and looked at me. No, yeah, you look like fucking like Wooly Willy. Like you've got this <laughs> shitty little like mustache and then they're kind of like i feel like getting clowned in front of your classmates for a mustache you know what you were proud of that pocket full of lint you'd cultivated over the course of months it's a wonder i never turned to stacker threes and horny goat weed. truly listen it's it's a slippery slope you know you're you're down on yourself for your bad mustache your classmate gives you uh a, a cross top uh pill and then suddenly you're um snuggling with people in alleyways for money yeah. So anyway, deeply the doll maker says you can reunite with your daughter. I'm going to turn you into a doll. But wait a minute. You can re. You could just visit your daughter. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Like you I think she still has legal rights. I don't think she is. Like I don't think a court, unless they've like, you know, unless the husband actually has like served her with papers, which he probably hasn't <laughs> because she's living on the street. She can like have supervised visitation with her child. Yeah, like was she, was she banished to the shadow realm as, she, as soon as she took the trucker speed? Like she exists in the veil between worlds, and she can't just like visit her daughter. She has to be a creepy doll. But that's the thing is they turn her, her into a fucked up Barbie with a weird mm-hmm. head, uh, and the child opens the doll and is like, "I don't really want this. It's weird." So the looking. so the movie is like. Oh, you know, it's so sad that this mother has objectified herself for sex work. So we figured the next step was to make her into a literal object. Yeah, and the motherfucking twist of it all is the kid is like, I don't want to play with this doll, and throws it in the corner. And then she has Uh to watch the family eat family dinner. And who is the new wife? Who is it? It's the popular girl that gave her the speed. Of course. And so that's where oh, it ends up is just like... And the doll cries actual tears. Yeah. yeah. The, so, the, so she gets slam dunked into the trash. Uh, and then um, cool co-worker. Which, is it implied that she was the Svengali behind all of this? No, like, it's just that she's a careless jerk that, that gets everything. 
Exactly. I that's that's there's no grand my, scheme. It's just I think my initial understanding was that she's just like the puppet master behind this. Like she's going to pull off the mask and she's going to be creepy doll person, which by the way, this creepy doll person, is that just their go-to solution to every problem? <laughs> there are so many like, goddamn dolls in that store. It probably is. <laughs> she has to be this has to be her solution to everything. Like somebody comes in and they're like, "Oh man, my radiator's broken and I don't have the money to do it. And they're like, you know, you can make a lot of really good money as a creepy doll. And they're just like, that's just when, when, when all you have is a creepy doll, every problem looks like something that can be solved with a creepy doll. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Like you, she's got one, uh, mode of attack on anything. So that, yeah, the segment, like, so the doll cries and it's just like, all right, thanks for the fucking bummer. Then the next one um, is probably the grossest because it is about literal bookworms, and they're pouring just Cairo syrup on a library, and it just stabs me in the heart to watch this happen. You hate to see it. So they shot this on they... location in somebody's library, which I also enjoyed because it's because it's a regular library. Of course, I spend mm-hmm. most of the time during the segment reading all the books and laughing at like how many James Patterson and like. I see. This was this was my immediate thought was that this library had to be like uh, if there were books that it didn't necessarily want to hold on to, like maybe they were out of you know circulation or like they were like okay. Uh, this is a children's library, and I don't think anybody's going to be reading a fucking Janet Ivanovich book. So let's just, like, take out all of the really bad, like, beach reading circa 1996 books and just ruin them with Caro syrup. Yeah. But, like, the whole segment just is super gross. And and what happens when you're in a library and you get covered with what is coded as slug slime? What happens if you get that on your hands? What do you do? What do, what do, what do I do? Yeah, what do you, Ryan, do if you get slug slime on your fingertips? Well, I'm fucking disgusting, so the first thing I do is wipe it off on my jeans. That's what this reprobate does, you monster. <laughs> Wash exactly. your goddamn hands. It's a library. There's a bathroom downstairs. Yeah, yeah, no, there's there's a bathroom downstairs with paper towels and sinks, you know, all of the modern and conveniences. <laughs> Yeah, you don't need to be a fucking amoeba who just, like, drips all over yourself. Yeah, uh, yeah so this, this guy, guy is... deserves to get murked by bookworms <laughs> because he just wipes his hands on his pants and keeps reading. You know what? This wouldn't have happened if he wasn't raised in a fucking barn. And and I also really like that in the bookworm, they're, like, the reason why this guy is able to buy... He, he buys this private library, um, even though it's clearly just, like, a a study room in a college library that it was shot in. But like he buys yeah. this private library and his sister comes over and she's dressed for the Kentucky Derby because that is the fastest way to say like, this is a rich family and mm-hmm. she is chewing this scenery in the best kind of way. Yeah. I actually, I, I really like this segment. Yeah. It's very, it's the best segment in the film. Oh, agree. And you know what it is for me? Uh, I uh, read a lot of Goosebumps when I was a kid, and the uh, the one with the worms um, creeped me out when I was a kid. Then there's an alien segment, which is fine, I guess. I was not yeah, really abducted. Into it. Yeah, um, yeah, the abducted one. It was very sort of just like it takes place in the woods. 
and they're just it's how would i it was kind of a whole lot of nothing a segment yeah and then probably if not my favorite my second favorite is this final segment which is about uh environmentalists so the whole plot of endangered is that gray wolves in the pacific northwest are endangered so uh my favorite horror trope the um enterprising activists have decided to go into the woods during open mm-hmm. season and mess with the hunters because so like, wait, are these are these technically eco-terrorists yeah they're eco-terrorists hell yeah so, hell they yeah. Go so into vince, the woods. vince vaughn and lost World. yeah so they go into the woods to fuck with um these hunters and mm-hmm. they start getting hunted and they can't figure out what's going on. So these eco-terrorists and these hunters take refuge in this cabin in the woods. And this old mm-hmm. lady is there and she's like, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't be out this late and you should be careful. And it turns out that she's there because she has uh, been having sex with werewolves so much that she's like the werewolf matriarch and they all like attack. Uh, there's there's no problem that can't be solved by banging six to eight werewolves. And let me tell you, this werewolf costume is very good. Oh, it's ex- it is it is superb. The entire um, film is it's shot in digital, but it is the most well lit film I've seen this year. It's fantastic. You know what? I that goes a long way for me, especially with indie releases, and especially like movies that are shot on digital, because they have every reason to be well lit, and it's so good. Um, I the werewolf costume in this made me realize also, uh, I can count on one hand the number of good werewolf designs. I feel like there are so many bad werewolf costumes. Yeah, for sure. In horror, and this one, yeah, no, it's outstanding. I think the worst one is probably Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The like sort of ape-like Oz? werewolf <laughs> little buddy oh, poor Oz. oh also veruca the sexy mean werewolf um but yeah so endangered i would say it's the second best one the best one easily the bookworm yeah and and the twist in endangered and the twist in bookworm are pretty good um yeah um it's Really, anything that involves eco-terrorists sort of coming in and, and fucking people up, I'm, I'm down yeah, for. But and yeah, like, like so, over their head, eating shit, getting killed. Yeah. Um, so, of course, with Abductor, we're just like, eh, it's all right. It's whatever. So, let's rank it. Yeah. So, let's let's look at our list. Where Let's start with an anthology uh, horror movie that we think might be on the level. So, I'm looking, and it's not an anthology. Good Tidings, the Christmas anthology one? Yeah, uh, no, actually, that's the... Um, Good Tidings is the evil Santa's... That's right, uh, that's right. Killing people in a mall. <laughs> Look, how, how long is this list now? <laughs> oh, God. So, currently, we are sitting at 404 movies. Soon it'll just be, what movies. was that movie? I don't remember. <laughs> we'll have to read the Wikipedia. <laughs> it's like, I, I know we watched it. I don't remember a goddamn thing about it. Um, I think this is better than Good Tidings because at least there, there's something going on. And also because the first segment uh, with the creepy doll, uh, it, it it wilds the fuck out. Yeah. Like, it's not a good segment, but I was yelling so much while watching it. And I, you know, I appreciate that. Let's look up a little bit. Which, all right, so Quincy, Friday Night Test. Uh, which would you rather watch? 
Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, Oof. which is the Nazi puppet movie, or the the movie uh, that punishes you for doing sex work and taking diet pills via creepy doll transformation. I can't believe uh, I'm saying this, but I'd rather mm-hmm. watch The Littlest Reich again. Yeah, I... <sighs> Yeah, I didn't. I definitely did not hate that movie as much as I thought I was going to. But yeah, it's it's definitely all right. So, which which is better, Urban Legend, the Scream knockoff uh, featuring a powerhouse powerhouse performance by Rebecca Gayhart, or this movie? You got to make that call. Right above Urban Legend is The Fog. Do you feel like The Fog is better than um, Theater of Terror? I hate to say it, I do think The Fog is better than Theater of Terror because at least there's a cool soundtrack and Jamie Lee Curtis is there and that's fun. Also, uh, Tom Atkins. Okay, so I will tell you that it is definitely better than Vampire in Brooklyn. Um, Oh, yeah. I don't know if I like it better than that home movie of the Monster Makers Halloween contest. Oh, yeah. No, that was amazing, actually. It's probably better than that, but that is just a really fun tape. Um, it is. However, it is definitely better than, than The Sect at 264. Yeah, yeah. So I would say it's either right above or right below Urban Legend. You've got to make that call. I All right. My executive call right now, I am putting it right underneath Urban Legend because... Uh, that movie is, is, it's really fun and it's got a gag based around Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler, which goes a long way for me. Um, so yeah, so I feel pretty good about at number 264, uh, 2019's Theater of Terror. All right. So let's dig into some overdue listener requests. Hell yeah. So, uh, Patreon uh, subscriber Foz Meadows, hi Foz, uh, requested... (laughs) 1997's The Relic. I love which is, this movie. <laughs> it's just outstanding. It's uh, the plot of The Relic. All right. It's basically alien in a museum. Yeah. It is um, this creepy stuff is happening in a museum. So I think what's mostly affected me about this movie is I remember sitting in the cafeteria in 1997 listening to someone describe this movie. and of course it'll never be as insane as what they're describing except it kind of is yeah it's um all right so there's something about the 90s that i feel like there were so many movies especially horror movies where uh something mean and old arrived on a boat yeah in a box and like bram stoker's dracula had this wishmaster the mummy um, mean things in boats. And so this movie, it's like, what, it opens with a guy, uh, a sort of doughy face. getting high with South American native peoples. Right, right. He's doing like ayahuasca or whatever. And uh, he has uh, he has a shit fit after um, sucking up a bunch of hallucinogenic juice. And he loses his shit, and then it cuts to... Uh, it, it looks like the worst version of Burning Man, yeah. really. Like, <laughs> And then and, he's and, getting on the boat, and he's like, you gotta make sure that my shipment is on the boat. And then yeah. we cut to the dock, and, them, and then, like, Port Authority getting on the boat, and it's just decapitated heads as far as the eye can see. 
There are so all right the the gore effects in this movie pretty tasty like it's it's extremely good and um this creature was designed by Stan Winston shit so wait was the creature and like the like all of the all of the creature stuff was Stan Winston I do believe although now all of a sudden I can't corroborate that but I'm almost positive it was a Winston creature effects. I actually, I love what a, a, a gun for hire Stan Winston is on lots of movies. Like, he was the one who made Pumpkinhead. Like, he, he'll he just sort of, uh, he's like a freelance FX guy who sort of, he's, you know, he's got like, you know, sort of big time gigs like Jurassic Park. But, you know, it's like he's jogging in place while he's, you know, waiting for for the next big project. So he's like, yeah, sure. Here's a here's a monster for the relic. Here you go. Um, and it's a we, wild right. monster, too. Yeah, how would you all right, how would you describe the monster in the relic? It's I mean, spoilers, it's a lizard monkey thing. Yeah, it's basically um that bit from Creep Show with the the gorilla thing in the crate. It's basically that but for the length of a uh, of a motion picture. Yeah. Um and yeah, and so it hunts people down one by one. Um I feel like all right, we need a name for the specific genre of museum horror because I feel like museums are necessarily a horror place. Yes. Like if if you're if you're stuck in the museum overnight, there's something creepy about it. Maybe it's like, you know, there are ghosts there because it's old things. Maybe there's a sort of you can't escape because all the doors are locked. Um, but yeah, I, museum horror is definitely its own genre. I also like how aware this book already is of, from the mix-up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler, because there (laughs) is, there are two children that try to stay the night in the museum and the security guards are like, no, and they kick them out. (laughs) See, all right, I, I had a deprived childhood. I never read, uh, the mixed-up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frank, Basil E. Frank um, the log line is it's kids have figured out how to live in the Smithsonian. Oh my god, that's the dream. Yeah, they just live there. So if you... Did you ever want to live in a museum? When you... Oh, absolutely, but I think I just wanted to live in very specific exhibits where it's like the bug exhibit, and I just wanted to hang out and look at cool bugs all day. Yeah. Um, but, like, the museum proper, you know, like, I'm, I'm not necessarily wanting to look at, like, you know, Grecian urns or cool busts. Like, really, if it was weird-looking and mean, probably I wanted to live there. But otherwise, yeah, I could take or leave it. Yeah, I was really into knights and armor as a kid. So, like, all the swords and, and stuff. Uh, it's really amazing <laughs> that I didn't turn into an adult sword collector. You know what? There, uh... There are so many. There were so many options that could have led to us being sword guy, where you've got like a replica of the Bilbo's sword from Lord of the Rings, and it, you, like it, it could have. You could have been that. Like you would. You would ordered it from Sky Mall while on a Delta flight, <laughs> and you got it hanging above your your TV. We could have been sword guys, and I think it's only by the grace of God that we avoided it. Yeah. So basically uh, what happens is the, do we give the big spoiler to this movie? That's Oh yeah. Yeah. It came old. out in 97. Let's so yeah, let's just go. Basically it. it wasn't the, the museum nerd getting high. He turned into the monster 
because of hand wavy genetics, which they explain, because apparently a museum has a full lab in the back of it. <laughs> I, I which I lo- I love the logic of oh no, it's in the museum lab because it's like in Ghostbusters two where like uh, Dana, uh, who in the previous film was a musician. In Ghostbusters 2 is just like an art curator. Yeah. Because they're like, well, you know, if you're fancy and you have a career in the arts, probably you can just go to a different artsy career. So recently I heard on a podcast that in Ghost, the the woman in Ghost was originally going to be a woodcarver, but they thought that was too unbelievable. It's like so they went with clay yeah they're like that's too cliche you know too many people carve wood we better make it clay yeah you know if there's one thing i'm always complaining about in ghost movies it's too many goddamn wood carvers <laughs> i just the place is lousy with them honestly like it's such a cliche at this point and if you do it uh, uncritically I, I just don't know what you're doing yeah so so it's um, safe to say that in the 80s and 90s anything of culture in Hollywood was just like, what the fuck ever, man. I mean, we did get Hellraiser 3 and that, quote, art (laughs) collector, unquote. Oh, yeah, where you own a bar slash restaurant slash bondage club and you live in the apartment at the top of it. To be Um, fair, I've been to a nightclub similar to that in Tampa. You know, honestly, I when I was a kid watching Hellraiser 3, I had assumed that my adult life would feature way more seedy, bondagey rock clubs where bands like Armored Saint are playing, and there's like fire shooting out of things, and it's got a name like The Pit or The Boiler Room. And I gotta tell you, it's just like bars. It's just like normal bars that you go to and have a drink and then go home. Yeah, and someone is always in the corner with those custom vampire fangs. <laughs> yes, and that's it. That's yeah, yeah. Best case scenario, there's a guy who calls himself like Vladlock the Impaler or something, and he's yeah, got fake fangs. And um, the other thing about this movie, about the Relic 1997, is that Tom Sizemore is like the only actor of any note. Like he's like Tom Sizemore isn't exactly like Nicolas Cage. He's he was in True Romance. <laughs> Um, but there are like no big actors in this. It's like off-brand Dina Meyer and off-brand Ernie Hudson and like I nobody in this. It, it, it's like it's got the patter of like a big box Hollywood sci-fi horror movie, but there are no big name actors in this movie. It does have that lady who's in all those CSIs. Right, right. Which I tell me if I'm wrong. The Relic 1997 needed. David Caruso to be in the mix. Yeah. And he he wasn't there. And I think that's why not a lot of people have seen it. I think if he had given a very bad performance in this, it would be a cult classic. So one of the things I love about this movie is it has four screenwriters, which just says that it was <laughs> struggling. <laughs> it was going through a lot. I feel like uh, the relic and the faculty are, you could do a double feature with movies that had a, like, way too many things going on and it's like chicken waffle and fish breakfast lasagna and it's just too many things that don't quite work it's like um so which the problem with having that many writers on a movie you kind of can't see the through line for what any of this is supposed to be or be working toward but my favorite is clearly one of the men who wrote this because amy holden jones and (laughs) amanda silver have uh screenplay credits but one Mm -hmm. of these two other dudes 
had to have written the scene where the police have the the smell the like the hounds and they're tracking the relic in the sewer and they named the goddamn dogs Castor and Pollux. Which uh immediately I'm just like I, I was Googling face off to see what year that came out immediately upon seeing Castor and Pollux. Yeah, because it it is so much a I am a man writing this dumb movie, but I have to make you know that I am smarter than this movie, so I'm gonna make the <laughs> the most <laughs> the scene with the most pathos in the entire fucking film about a dog named Castor <laughs> and his other dog named Pollux. You know, let's yeah, I gotta class the joint up a little. We're also, doing the relic. What the fuck? trained Chicago police officer just lets his oh dog go and then screams and runs after it <laughs> blindly into a sewer where they believe a serial killer is. See, this is the thing. Having grown up in the Chicagoland area, people in Chicago and around Chicago are fucking insufferable about like Chicago-based movies. Like We love movies that are Chicago movies, like The Fugitive and Ferris Bueller and I I don't know a lot of people who claim the relic as like a seminal piece of Chicago cinema. It is it is so Chicago cinema though. Oh yeah, yeah. I think for me the gold standard in uh, Chicago horror cinema is Candyman. Yeah, for sure. Or maybe Child's Play. But so uh it's it, is it is it a good movie? It's fun. It's very fun. Oh, it's so fun. It's very fun. It's splashy. Also, Um, the insane... So, like, the whole premise is this guy went to South America to get a statue for the collection, but while he was there, he turned into the god of the statue that they were going to get, and then they science-waved it to explain how it could possibly happen instead of saying, this is an insane movie, let's just go with it. And it's for a exhibit called Superstitions... Which is just the writings on the wall. A hundred ladders that you are forced to walk under, and then an Egyptian exhibit with an animated like mummy, and then a forest with pan cardboard cutouts in it. It's a bit confused. Like they're 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 kind. Of, it's a bit scattershot. Like they kind of don't know which iconography to go with to illustrate superstition. I just also have to believe that the director never went to a museum before <laughs> yeah this is yeah or had like I, on to you know a children's museum and was like yes yeah this is like an interactive fun science exhibit that just kind of went too far yeah i think um i feel like it isn't yeah it's not a good movie but i had a lot of fun watching it i feel like it's in conversation with the movie the thing but I feel like it's harassing the movie The Thing outside a bar and The Thing is trying to politely excuse itself so it can get in the cab and go home. Yeah. Um, it's it's in a one-way conversation with, like, The Thing and Alien. And it's great. Like, I love I love the relic. So, um, is it better or worse than Santa's Sleigh starring Bill Goldberg? <laughs> Where he plays a killer Santa Claus who lost a bet and now that his chains have been broken, he can resume murdering people. Yeah, that old chestnut. Um, that old chestnut. I, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna say that the relic is better than Santa's sleigh because Santa's sleigh, like nobody outside of people who made the mis- who had the misfortune of renting it at a video shack, and also wrestling fans who happen to be okay with horror movies, ha- have probably any interest in seeing Santa's sleigh. Where I feel like the relic, listen, it's a rip roaring good time. 
you get a pizza, you get some buddies together, you watch The Relic. It's, yeah, I, I think I'm going with The Relic over that. Oh, which I know is all right, perfect so, movie to compare it to. Oh, very good. What do you got? 1987's Blue Monkey, about the bug in the hospital. Oh, the bug, which is inexplicably called Blue Monkey because somebody mentions the phrase offhandedly and then they just decide that that's the name of the movie. They're like, look, we gotta name it something. I feel like it is better than Blue Monkey, but I do not feel like it is better than the Black Christmas remake at number 243. No, because uh, a man makes cookies out of a person's skin (laughs) in Black Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, and also Black Christmas is just such a fucking slice of 2006. Like, if you just need to see what the culture looked like in 2006, it's perfect for that. Really? So yeah, so I feel pretty good. Little grip of movies that are like perfect time capsules. Oh yeah, it's like Return of the Living Dead or Scream or just these movies that are are like Jason X, where like I would say actually that and Freddy vs. Jason is such a deeply 2003 movie. Like, you can smell the hair gel, and it's it's a lot. So yeah, so I feel pretty good about coming in at our uh, new number 244. Uh, above 1987's Blue Monkey and below the Black Christmas remake at 243 is The Relic. All right, Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? So many places, but the Jesus. best place you can go is, I believe, rankandvile.com by the time of this airing. Um, there you'll be able to find links to all of our stuff. I especially want to plug our Discord. It's a rip-roaring good time. It's um, a lot of really nice people um, talking about ghoulish things. Um, We also post on Instagram and um, Twitter pretty regularly. Our handles are Rank and File on Instagram and Rank and File Cast on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can get at us from rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Um, please get in touch if you are a creator or if you have anything uh, spooky you want to share with us. And if you want to request a show, um, a movie for us to rank, email that to us or post it on our Tumblr ask box, which is rankandvile.tumblr.com. Hell yeah. Um, we are also on uh, Letterboxd, where um, I just uh, we, we, um, we just posted uh, a list of uh, horror movies that Tony Todd is too good for, which is basically every horror movie he's ever been in, aside from the first Candyman, and also the Night of the Living Dead remake. Barring that, I think that is about all I got. You got anything else? That's it. Stay spooky, y'all. Later, folks.